warm, willing welcome. And as we dish up that warm, willing welcome, the foundational ingredient for that warm, willing welcome that we find in, in, from St. Paul in the book of Romans is a confident hope. A confident hope. That is the foundational agreement, ingredient. I'd just like to share with you the words that I'm going to be basing our message off of today. It's from Romans chapter 12. And if you open up your Bibles, you're going to be able to kind of dance back and forth with me in Romans chapter 12. Maybe strain a little bit to a couple of other passages, but uh, mostly staying there. So I want to read these words beginning with verse 9. Let your love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in confident hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. These are the words of the text. I'd like to kind of get to the foundational part of this first, and uh, it's a different way to approach the text, but I want to go to the primary segment of our text, which is really for me, verses 9 through 13. I think verses 14 through 18 give you some wonderful application, but I want to get to the central part of that text. And uh, well, if you're looking at your ESV, you're going to notice that uh, there is not the word confident in there for hope. Um, it is something that we find in the original language. Rejoice in confident hope. Confident hope. That is the foundational agreement uh, ingredient, is it not? You know, this is not the first time that Paul has talked about hope and confident hope to the Romans. And if we back up and we go to chapter 5, we see these words, picking up with verse 3. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And why is this confident hope? And hope does not put us to shame. Why? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is confident, anchored hope. This means something uh, special to me. You see, one of the things that is true about my upbringing is that uh, I am the son of a pastor. I'm actually the grandson of a pastor. I'm actually the great-grandson of a, of a principal in a Christian school. So I've got all kinds of background in, uh, in Christian learning and, and also heritage. However, 
the most important things are not what we can claim as our background. The most important things are the way that God meets us in various ways as he builds up the, the hope, as he dishes up to us a delectable dish uh, that ultimately results in our salvation, but also living out our salvation, if you will, serving his delectable dish to others. So I want to talk with you about why hope means so much to me. When I was a kid, uh, about eight years old, my, my actually about five years old, my dad took a, a call to a campus church in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. And when he got there, uh, they renamed that campus church the Chapel of Hope. And so all through the early years, all the way till about 1971, start to give you an idea how old I am, uh, through 1971, uh, there was this uh, ongoing service that was held in various parts of, of, uh, of chapels that were temporary in nature uh, as the student chapel was being built next door. And finally, in 1971, we dedicated that student chapel, the Chapel of Hope, and at the center of that was a cross, not unlike this cross, except that it was shaped also at the bottom in the shape of an anchor. And at the center of it was verses Romans 5, verses 3 to 5. And so that always kind of was central for me growing up, uh, what this hope meant, meant and where that hope comes from and how God builds that in practical ways. But ultimately, we know that hope is one of those three great gifts that God gives to us as he talks about them in Romans 13. And those three great gifts go together. Not Romans 13, 1 Corinthians 13. And those three great gifts go together. Hope and faith and love. Our faith and hope and love. The greatest, of course, is love, but hope is one of those great gifts. It is inseparable from the other two. The greatest might ultimately result in love lived out, but hope is inseparable from the other two, and it is the hope that is a confident hope based in our, our Savior Jesus poured out for us through the Holy Spirit. And this confident hope is that which is the foundational part of this ingredient for the delectable dish that uh, St. Paul is talking about and that I would encourage you to dish out to one another. So what does it mean to have confident hope? Well, let's just take a, a little bit of a, a side trip here and think about that. Confident hope. Confident hope looks like this. When I was a little boy, I was a bit of a daredevil, and I wasn't afraid of very many things, except I knew that... Uh, in my fear, or in my lack of fear, I also needed good partners. And the good partner that I always had was my older brother, Steve. And so he liked to play games with me, but one time we were building uh, another church. It was at my dad's first pastorate that I remember as a child. And there was a time when there was a great big hole that was dug out that was going to be the basement of the church. I know we haven't got basements in California, but this was a great big hole where the fellowship hall was going to be. And uh, Steve bet me that I would not walk up to the edge of that and look over. 
And so I walked right up to the edge, and just before I got to the edge, I noticed that he had taken a hold of my belt loop and back, and he was holding on to me. And we just played a game with that. I leaned way over, and I was telling him everything I could see, all the water I could see at the bottom of that. It was probably only about eight or nine feet deep, but it looked like it was 20 feet deep to us. Why was I confident? I was confident in the assurance that my brother, as much as he liked to play games with me, would never allow his four-year-old brother to slip down into that hole. That's a little bit of a picture of what confident hope is about. I realize that my brother, my older brother, is fallible. And I've learned that oh so well as we've grown up together all of these years. However, the one who is not fallible has hold of your belt loops, has hold of your waistline. He will not let go. Our confident hope is based in the security of God's love for each one of us. This is the foundational ingredient of this delectable dish that I would like to call your warm, willing welcome. Your warm, willing welcome. Now, I know that that's not a a very churchy type word, so maybe you'd like to restate it. Its official church name is Holy Hospitality. Holy Hospitality. You want to be able to offer that warm, willing welcome, that holy hospitality to not only those who come here, there's nobody coming here right now except a very few, but you are still the church scattered. God's called out one scattered today. And you are the church out where you are. You live as the church not only on Sundays, but you live at the church everywhere you go. You live as the church in your household. You live as the church with your neighbors. You live as the church as you drive about. You live as the church as you go to the grocery stores. You live as the church as you visit other places of, of and locations which you are allowed to go at these times or which you choose to go. And wherever you go, wherever you go, you have the opportunity to take this delectable dish This warm, willing welcome, holy hospitality with its foundational ingredient that is confident hope. Be confident in hope. So let's back up now and see what he says to us about this dish that we are that we are holding that we are offering. In verse nine of chapter twelve, we see these words. Bear with me as I get back to the right place. And as we look at verse 9, we see these words. Oh, look at that. I just about read you something from 1 Corinthians. That would have been awkward. Okay, here we go. Verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. In those two little verses, we find talked about and expanded upon what agape love looks like. What in the Old Testament chesed love looks like. Steadfast love. Love that keeps on coming and that will not quit. We find this. Love must be sincere. 
Hold on to what is good. Let go of what is not, what is evil. Love one another with reciprocal affection, brotherly affection. But beyond this, we know that love is bigger than that. And then it says something else, outdo one another in showing honor. See, this just adds strength to this ingredient for this delectable dish, this ingredient which is love. Outdo one another in showing honor. What does that mean? (laughs) Well, (laughs) one of the versions of Scripture, uh, uh, a little bit of a probably a a little bit of a paraphrase, uh, but one that is really good at helping us to get a handle on this is the message version. And uh, this is Eugene Peterson's version, and he talks about it this way. Have a contest with one another in showing love. Have a contest with one another in giving honor. In other words, I'm going to honor you. No, I'm going to honor you. I'm going to honor you. No, I'm going to honor you. Have a contest with one another. And you can kind of have fun with a contest, can't you? You know, the competitive side of me kind of likes that. And it moves me a little bit to use some of that natural element of who I am, a a bit competitive, but also use it to serve God rather than just serve self. How can I continue to serve you? Honor one another above yourselves. This is getting to the heart of this whole idea of what chesed in the Old Testament, this steadfast love, this keep on coming love, or this agape love, this sacrificial love, this love I would die for you, that's how much I love you, is all about. Greater love has no man than this, that he would do what? He'd lay down his life for his friend. Lay down his life. And laying down your life, as you and I know, doesn't always mean that we die. It's a once for all. The ongoing laying down of our life just keeps on going on. Those of us who are parents or grandparents or good friends to challenging people know that laying down our life continues. And then humbly, we have to admit that at times we have been outdone by those around us those who have laid down their lives for us without any other reason than they were moved by the Holy Spirit. See, these two ingredients that I've talked about so far for holy hospitality, for that warm, willing welcome, are really ingredients uh, that are gifts. They are not something we find somewhere in our spiritual pockets that have been placed there or that we have picked up along the way. They are gifts, gifts of God for us, gifts of God to use in our warm, willing welcome with other people. I want to continue to read because there's some good stuff here. It says, Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. So I want to just suggest to you that the central part of this that that puts all of this together, this idea of serving the Lord, fervent in in spirit, is the central piece of zeal. A holy zeal. That too is not something that comes naturally. It is a poured in spiritual gift. 
It is a poured in spiritual gift of continuing to keep on coming. One of the spiritual gifts zeal might be connected with is just that sense of hospitality, which is a spiritual gift. But hospitality means I continue to serve. I continue to to be zealous. I continue to be over the top with my desire to do this. Why? Not because I have found it, but because God has been zealous for me. How zealous was Jesus for his disciples? How zealous was God Almighty for all of creation when the time was just right? Christ came into the world. How zealous was God to do this? He said to his pre-incarnate son. He at least communicated his will. They agreed on this together that he would give up, not just for a little while, but forever, his divinity, his full divinity, to be both man and God, not separately, but at the same time. Now, you and I don't, truly understand what that means. But when I was a a man many years ago, I saw a film put together and it tried to get at this picture. And this picture was of two gardeners, two Chinese gardeners. And they were looking at an ant population down there that was killing themselves. And the father and the son decided together that the son would become an ant to make a way for the other ants. I don't know what you think about ants, but most of the time, if I'm not watching them, I think nothing about stepping on them. They're just creatures, and they're the lowest of creatures. Why should I care? What did God become? He went from divine to created. That's an even farther step than a man going from man to ant. Those are both created. What does sacrificial love look like? You know, when we think about what we're talking about, Savior of the nations come, and one of the verses in there specifically gets to the infant child born. We didn't sing it but it gets to that specifically, the infant child born. And we think of the holy child and the beautiful pictures, but this was a tremendous demotion, a tremendous act of sacrificial love that God went through so that he might become one with us and make a way for eternity so that ultimately blood might be shed, that the lamb might pay the full price. This is the sacrificial love. This is the chesed that God has for his people, had for his people, and will have for his people. It doesn't go away. And this is the part of the delectable dish, this holy God-given ingredient of love that you have that's being talked about in these two verses. And this is zeal. This is the can't stop, can't 
stop thinking about it. Even though people aren't worthy of it, I just keep on coming with that zeal. This is the zeal that God has for his people. The zeal that we have is also that which is God-given. But it's zeal that says, no, I am moved by God to keep on coming, to keep on asking, to keep on serving. Zeal. We have love, we have zeal, we have hope. What do they result in? They result in a warm, willing welcome. A warm, willing welcome, holy hospitality that in itself is not limited only to that which we can create. But we see as we move back to the beginning of chapter 12 where this all comes from. Paul says, talks about us as living sacrifices. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God that is good acceptable, and perfect. How does this happen? It is not being conformed to this world and is being transformed, if you will, by the work of the Holy Spirit, my mind transformed. The transforming of my mind. To what mind? The mind of Christ. Paul doesn't say it here, but he does elsewhere. What mind are we transformed to? Not my mind, not a new and renewed Mike Lang mind, but the mind of Christ. This ultimately results in that holy hospitality that we're talking about. And in verse 13, we see this all wrapped up. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Contribute to the needs of the saints. I would suggest to you that in verse 13, what we have is holy hospitality, the delectable dish of a warm, willing welcome beginning to be served out in concentric circles. It starts, if you will, individually, one to another. Okay? We practice that. We serve one another. We outdo one another in showing honor and love. Uh, but as we practice that with one another, it has to do with the body of saints, the body of saints gathered. Gathered. Here's a tough one, brothers and sisters. You know, one of the hardest things that's happening right now with COVID and the restrictions that places on us is that we begin to act more like individuals of what we think ought to be done and how this ought to all be dealt with rather than as a community. We do not deal with this as a body. We're tempted to deal with it as individuals. We leave out love and honor and the hope that we share and a zeal not just for God, but for God as we live it out with one another. And we become zealous, hopeful, loving little individuals which in reality are not zealous or loving at all because we're zealous and loving of our own opinions and our own desires. 
See, this is meant, and the church is meant to be mixed together into a delectable dish of holy hospitality. Not just with all the gifts of God, but with all the gifts of God's people gathered together who have eaten this dish of holy hospitality and practice it with one another. When the world sees that, we can move into those other things that I talked about that are we're not going to dig into in this, in this sermon so much. But the other things that often have to do with those outside of this gathered sainthood. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. This delectable dish which you have eaten, which you have rejoiced in, that has to do with the very sacrificial love of God, the zealous attention that God gives to his people, and a confident hope which undergirds it all and results in God's holy hospitality for you is also the holy hospitality that you give, not only to one another, but to the world. May God bless you and work in you. And may the Savior of the nations come and come soon. In Jesus' name, amen.